Hey folks, make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show, you can contact us directly via email. Or, I don't know, maybe you just want to send us some feet pics. You creep, I don't know what you're into. I don't care. We'll review those too. What do you think of that, huh? In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Did you watch Boba Fett? I did. <laughs> What'd you think of... Did you watch all of Boba Fett? I really liked some of it, and I really hated other parts of it yeah i really didn't care about the series until the episode with mandalorian yeah, with the mandalorian and that episode was the best episode of the entire thing and i think that it says a lot that the best episode of that series didn't have the main character in it yeah or no, didn't exactly. have the main protagonist in they it. were like it was just a mandalorian side story and yeah and they didn't even, because I mean, it was still written and directed by John Favreau. Yeah, you know, it was they used the same music. It was clearly like just do another season of Mandalorian and yeah. then make Boba Fett the side <laughs> character. Yeah, I mean, so we watched the first episode. I'm like, I hate this. Okay. We watched the second episode, and that's when they started setting up. Like they started showing him getting trapped in the desert with the sand people. Yeah. And it became clear, like, oh, this is, you're expecting Boba Fett, he's going to be bounty hunting. It's like, oh, no, this is Boba Fett trying to take over, like, a crime family, and it's going to be, like, a, like a mafia-style mm-hmm. uh, turf war yeah, that, story. Yeah, that would have been and, cool if and that's then what I was we got. Like, oh, this is all, I was like, okay, I'm actually, I'm kind of in now. I really liked that. And then in the third episode, they keep going with it, but he brings on these people with all these different colored Vespas yeah. and they have the worst chase scene I've ever seen <laughs> in any movie of them running through. What the was it? Moss Eisley of, or Moss Espa? Yeah. One, one of, of those. Them, yeah. Chasing the guy in the speeder and they're all on their different colored Vespas going very slow. The whole chase is incredibly slow. Yeah. And it's all CGI. So it doesn't make sense why, why it would so need slow. to be. Well, that's because they're on Vespas. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just so campy and silly i'm like what the hell is going on yeah with this show it has no idea what it's doing and then the next episode like it was just literally from one episode to the next i was like i really like this and then i was like i really hate this it seems overly silly and campy for no reason yeah yeah the characters are like the the motorcycle gang or the vespa gang i hated them yeah they were they were the worst it was um, so silly. It well, was out of place, how silly it was. Yeah, and especially, with, like, take a look at their vehicles, and literally everything else on that planet, nothing is as bright as those vehicles yeah. are. <laughs> like, maybe you would see those vehicles on Coruscant. I might be able to buy that. But on Tatooine, where they literally have to have moisture there, farms there is no color yeah there's it's it's all dirt it's all sand it's, it's like brown and cream yeah sometimes a dark red yeah like like, de- <laughs> like even boba fett's armor which is green and red is 
busted up and mm-hmm. it's muted palettes. Like yeah. nothing is bright and shiny in that place. So so those things just felt super out of place. I felt like with the rest of the with the rest of the scenery and the rest yep. of the film. And I also, as much as I did like the the Mandalorian parts, I didn't like how they approached Grogu and the thing with Luke and Ahsoka because I feel like they kind of resolved everything from the end of season two for the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't really feel like that was necessary to put in the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. So they could have just did Mandalorian and then made the Boba Fett story, the side story. Yeah. But like the whole purpose of the season two of Mandalorian was to get Grogu to a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Like that was the whole purpose of it. And it was this huge buildup. And then it doesn't even, like, one, are they doing a Mandalorian season three? And two, if they are, then why did they have that resolution where, like, Grogu evidently has made the decision to not become a Jedi now, (laughs) and now he's back with the Mandalorian? Did they just do that so that they wouldn't have to deal with that in Mandalorian season three? Felt like it, yeah. But it, I feel, I felt like that was such a cop out because, like, again, I liked the episodes with the Mandalorian, but I don't know, just within like two episodes, not even the next season, they're like side episodes in another movie. They're like, <laughs> oh, by the way, Grogu's back. He yeah. uh, decided the Jedi thing wasn't for him. It, and once, ge- Star Wars, God, okay, <laughs> in the new Star Wars movies. I walked away with one very strong opinion of the the newest trilogy. Okay. Is that Luke Skywalker, no matter what happens, is still really only good for doing one thing, and that's pulling that goddamn X-Wing out of the water. <laughs> and in that same vein, they take Grogu, and they're like, oh, guess what? Grogu's going to save the day again against this big thing that's way too big for him, but he's so powerful in the Force. Yeah. He'll he'll stop it and save them. Hello and welcome to Get Wrecked Podcast. I'm Thor, joined as always by my co-host Micah. How's it going, Thor? It's going well, it's going well. Here on the Get Wrecked Podcast, it's just two buds taking turns uh, recommending to each other some of our uh, favorite pop culture hits, oddities, and... uh, Really anything that we find interesting. And we got an interesting one today. Yeah. Yeah. Eon Flux is what you... That was the homework you were given was Eon Flux. Yep. Yep. Ooh, uh, so, initial reactions. Yeah, so so Eon Flux, specifically not the movie with Charlize Theron, but the... Ugh, don't start... If you're, if you're watching <laughs> Eon Flux with Charlize Theron, the movie, what's wrong with you? Stop. It's terrible. Charlize Theron as a brunette. Ugh. Come on. <laughs> Get it together. Gross. Um, but yeah. <laughs> just heads up, as always, big spoiler alert right off the top. We're going to be talking about things. Um, Eon Flux can be currently found on the Paramount Plus network. 
which is where I watched it, I believe, probably where you watched it yep. as well. Yeah, that's where I watched it too. All right. So, yeah. initial reactions. Um, Man, initial reaction store. I honestly didn't know what the fuck was going on for episode one. I watched episode one twice. <laughs> because, <laughs> because after I watched it, I was like, I have to digest this a little bit and go back to it. And so I went back to it like a week later and watched the episode again. And I think that I grasped it more. Um, and then I continued to watch about half of season one. And I remember when you when you suggested this to me, I thought that I had watched some of this like many years ago. Um, the show's like 25 years old now. I think it came out in 90, like mid 90s. 95. Yeah. So it's been around a while, but it, I have not, I have not seen this at all. I don't like none of it. I thought that I had seen it. Nope. Well, and perhaps you saw parts. So this actually started in few, uh, quote unquote episodes came out on a show called like liquid television or something like that. And it was an MTV show. It was like experimental animation. Yeah. Essentially. And it came out, it had shorts. So they were like five minute shorts, essentially, Kind of like a variety show okay. um, with animation, similar like Robot Chicken or something like that. Right. And then they played shorts just kind of as part of commercials, like in between shows a couple years later. And then they actually greenlighted it and made one 10-episode season in 95. And that's what we watched. Yeah. Possible you may have seen things or you maybe even just uh, saw the character around. It, I probably... Uh, remember seeing the classic imagery of the eyeball with the eyelashes that are kind of like Venus flytrap grabbing the fly yeah. itself. I think that I saw that image and I was just like, oh yeah, yeah, I've seen like an episode of that. I don't remember anything about it, but I've seen it. Yeah. Um, sorry folks, that's my dog. But nope, I hadn't seen anything. I literally, I thought that this was an anime coming into it. Like, I thought it was Japanese animation. Um, so I was put off a little bit by the animation style, and I was put off by the writing and the kind of ambient soundtrack that is in episode to episode. My initial thoughts, just or initial just, yeah thoughts going into it, was the visuals are extremely unique. They're like, Sometimes I really enjoy it, and sometimes I really hate it. Like, really, really hate <laughs> Why, it. What specifically do you hate? Um, so, the things that I liked about it, there are, like, two main main cities in this place. And one of them is called Monica, and that's where the main character is from. Yeah. And then the other one is called, it's it starts with a B. It's like, uh, it's B- like Br- 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 Brynja or something Bregna, like that. Bregna, I think. Is that it? I think it's yeah. Bregna. Um, yeah. The the concept of is is that it's like it takes place somewhere in Europe, um, and keep in mind this was made pretty shortly after the Cold War ended. So it's somewhere in Europe, a post apocalyptic mm-hmm. type scenario where ninety nine percent of the population was killed off, and there's two societies left yeah. separated by a wall. On one side, you have Monica, and they're uh, they're anarchists. Yes, yeah, yeah. and kind of like freedom fighters. And on the other side, in Brenya or Bregna, however you say it, there's, it, it's kind of your It's more like a, like a dictatorship almost. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Your classic uh, 
dictatorship, fascism, Big so, Brother's watching type. All place. the time, yeah. And so they're in this constant struggle for you don't even really know why. Yeah, yeah. You're not you're not sure why. It it's really it's really strange because when I when I watched it, um, you know, the main character, Eon, I'm thinking, okay, she's kind of like an anti hero protagonist type of character. But then she does things and they're like her arch nemesis in this is the dictator leader of Bregna. His name's Trevor, Trevor Goodchild. Goodchild. Yeah. Uh, but he is also her lover. So they've got this like weird off and on romance slash. I don't know. They yeah, don't like she, each other. She, they're always trying to foil each other's plans. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they're also in love. Yeah. It, and I and I think <laughs> I've seen the show. I've I've seen watched the entire series pro- a few times over okay. the years. Yeah. I'm still. I could not tell you entire I, with any kind of certainty what is going on in the show most of the time. <laughs> like I feel like I can't. Sometimes I'm like I kind of get what's going on, but I'm like I don't. That's know. how I felt with every single episode. <laughs> like I'm watching it and I'm like I think I know what the plot is. I think I'm picking yeah. it up, but I wasn't fully there. Like I, like I was getting eighty percent of what was happening, and I don't know if it was written that way on purpose. I don't know if it was written that way because it was in the 90s and they just made shows differently then. I know that it was an experimental show. The guy who was in charge of it was like Peter Chung, I think was his name, who was the creator of it. Yes. And um, he's got an interesting background. Do you know other things that he's worked on? Yeah. Do you want to go down through the... I pulled up his uh, Wikipedia. Yeah. So one of the things that struck me as strange was that he worked for Disney for a time and he also worked on Rugrats. Yeah. He he kind of developed the from what I read he developed the the characters. Uh he did the opening scene um and kind of animation on the pilot. Yeah. So I always thought he had actually cuz I had heard that he'd worked on it. I thought he had a lot more to do with it, but he was just kind of one of those guys that came in in the beginning oh, okay. and helped with character design. So he wasn't consistent through the animation nope, process. Just the beginning, just on the pilot and okay. then he did the opening scene. Gotcha. On the concept work. He also stuff. worked on Transformers. Which Transformers? Like the, the or- 1984-like wow. series. Okay. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the series. What? A bunch of other things I'm not sure of. He yeah. worked on the Rugrats movie for storyboards, it says. Oh, wow. Animatrix, the Chronicles of Riddick Dark Fury. He actually that, directed yeah. that. I was going to say, that has the same art style. I can totally see that. So... You may know, can you spot kind of the, it's a famous impressionist, or I believe they said it, oh, expressionist artist that he kind of, was kind of like his really big influence in his uh, character design. In his character design? Yeah, in the way he kind of draws his characters. Oh, man. Um Nothing is coming to the top of my head. What? It's a guy named Egon Sheila. Okay. I I'm not familiar with him. This, I'm gonna have this to, right here. I can definitely see that. Yeah. So I'm showing Mike a picture from Egon. I guess it's pronounced Sheila. Sheila. Yeah. S C H I E L E. It's it's kind of got this distorted 
humanoid figures exactly in it and that's that's how the characters are very much so i could definitely see the references in that based on the animation that they're doing and that's part of what i liked and also really what i hated oh, it sounds so it sounds so uppity but I'm going to say that I'm a classically trained artist. Which, oh, which an artist. Really <laughs> makes me sound <laughs> such, like such a dick. Yeah. Um, but no, I <laughs> fair. You, cause you are a talented artist who does it professionally. So if anybody has the right uh, to it, criticize, it, it just, um, I don't mean that as in like a haughty toddy way. I'm just used to, I'm used to analyzing, uh, the human figure specifically is like one of my favorite things to, to draw paint and, uh, understanding anatomy and the, muscle structure and the bones and and these characters are are very very interesting in proportions like a lot of times the women's waist they're, they're is wild in proportions yeah like it, their their waist is not as wide as their head <laughs> yeah and it, they're just they're very tall and kind of like fashion model-esque but even take that and distort it yeah. To 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 the tenth degree. Yeah, it's like standing looking at if you looked at yourself in a funhouse mirror, one of the ones that kind of stretches and elongates you, that's yeah kind of what it feels like. Yeah, and they would he they would the characters would do these like turns in poses. So you would see their back kind of like a back three quarter view. So you'd see their shoulder and then if you're looking at their at their head, you're seeing like the back of their earlobe. And then seeing the brow into the into the jawbone, and seeing like that kind of angle of the face, mm-hmm. and then the camera twists or the character turns, and there's this weird distortion morph that kind of happens as that turn happens or as the character turns, and it's really weird. And then the character stops moving, and then you're like, okay, that's a little strange. Like the character kind of looks like what they just look like, but they're a little weird. And so just the the animation process was very strange. Like the way that they moved, the way that they turned, um, that was was very weird to me. With that being said, I really liked visually how they tried to show Bregna as this utopian place mm-hmm. with the colors that they had. Because they had like these really nice pastel type of colors that surrounded that entire city. So, like, the sky was always this really warm uh, yellow to uh, golden, like, orange, like, gradient in the sky. And the the line work was often muted. Like, so it was never a stark black line work. It was often, like, pushed back in its value as far as how, how dark it was. And the colors, like, everything felt like it was sun-kissed. And it just had a nice warm tone to it. Yeah. And I feel like visually... They were trying to make that dichotomy between that place and uh, Monica, the anarchist place, where like on the surface, Bregna appears to be utopia, 100%. But then through each plot line of every episode, you kind of get a little bit more and more of this good child character and you see that he's not really a good guy. He's like running experiments on some of the people. Yeah. And, and anytime like he talks about it or somebody confronts him on something, he's like, you don't understand what's at work, but you never find out what's at yeah, work. Yeah. Like you he flips his shit a lot when people call him out on stuff. <laughs> so you only watched about half the series, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. You don't ever really find out what's going on. I'm sure you're not surprised by that. I'm really but... not. I kind of, yeah, it's kind of a, um, like by the third episode, 
I reached this point where I'm like, okay, I just need to be open to the fact that I'm not going to know what's going on in mm-hmm. each episode. Like, I went into it expecting a chronological story, and I don't believe that it's a chronological no, no, story No, what it is, all. is, um, God, what's that called? Uh, Twilight Zone, Black Mirror, yeah. Anthology. Okay, yeah. It, it's, it's really, it's an anthology focused around two characters pretty right. much, Eon and Trevor Goodchild. That's one of the nice things about it is... Each episode, you can just watch one episode and be like, oh, that was interesting. And now I can right. move on to something else. Yeah. And you can come back whenever you want to the rest of it when you're just looking for a weird story to watch for 25 yeah. minutes. Well, and it was definitely interesting. Like, it, it kept my interest, I think, mainly because I wasn't sure what was happening. But, I, <laughs> but like, it did a really good job of making you feel like you're right on the cusp of understanding what is happening, but you never get there. And it's never a reveal. And I feel like that has to be on purpose. I feel like they have to make that on purpose. Mm-hmm. And if they did that on purpose, I say well done because it was very effective in in making you kind of think that you're understanding what's happening. And for me, I watched it and like I'm starting to get really deep into these like oh maybe like this and this and this and this is happening. And I'm trying to dig like seven levels below the surface when I'm way deeper than what the what the storyline is actually yeah. providing. Yeah. Well, and I think it may be that may be intentional that the story is kind of allows you to draw your own conclusions. Yeah. And build the world yourself. And maybe all that's just nonsense. Maybe it is he's just like, This is a this is a fun story. Let's do this. Yeah. And he's maybe he hasn't thought about any of this at all. Maybe he was just making something cool. But it's so intricate and the the stories are so out there and intentionally kind of pieced together. Mm-hmm. They feel intentionally pieced together, like what pieces of conversation they show you and more importantly what pieces they don't show you. Yeah. The, that it just seems like it, that he certainly had an intention in doing it. Yeah. Well, I read um, like a small article on uh, just on the show because I was like, I, I, I don't know what to, you know, I don't know what to say about this show. After I watched like <laughs> half, the, half of the season, I wanted to get some some backstory as to the thought process and maybe get some, you know, behind the scenes stuff. And Peter Chung said that he specifically didn't want it to be clear whether Aeon or, or I'm sorry, Eon or Peter. I'm sorry, not Peter. Um, He's Peter. Goodfellow. <laughs> yeah, Trevor. Trevor Goodfellow. On which one was the protagonist and which one was the antagonist. Yeah, because they both do some, they both have moments of good and yeah. bad. And, so, and like I said, and that re- the relationship between them is so interesting because you're never really sure do they love each other? Do they hate each other? Are they, do they actually, are they actually trying to foil each other's plans? Or is this just some kind of elaborate foreplay that yeah. is fun for them? It's, it's interesting. It really is interesting. And I, there, there were just like, like there was an episode where Trevor Goodchild had some type of harpy, like half human, half bird. Oh, yeah. Tied uh, up serif. in a, yeah. In a room somewhere and was just, I guess all about this person and had like this weird 
fetish with this being? From what it seemed like, those things made people fall in love with them. Yeah. Because everybody was in love with them. Was in love with them. Yeah. So there was a female one and a male one. And then there was some woman character who was introduced that episode. And there are, you know what? The anthology thing is a pretty apt uh, comparison because there are lots of characters that show up for an episode. And then that's it. Yeah. Most of of the. Yeah. And they're totally gone. So. Eon wanted this character, this female character, to figure out this cipher. It was like a whole cipher page that she needed her to transcribe and decipher for it. And then she ends up falling for the male harpy thing. And I don't even know how, but they ended up like trying to free the thing. And Eon's like, nope, it doesn't love you. And then one of them dies. And Trevor Goodchild is all angry because, like, the female harpy dies. It's all over the place. Yeah. And that one specifically is kind of funny because you're like, I don't know. That's another one where even her intentions are not clear. Is she doing this specifically because she's jealous that Trevor is falling in love with this creature, this seraph? Yeah. Or is she supposed to free them doing it because it's the right thing to do? Or a mixture of both, you don't really know. Yeah, it was very strange. (laughs) It was very, and that episode ends with the female Seraph dying. She gets shot and ends up dying, but the male one escapes with the female NPC. I don't know what her name was. Yeah, she she was like a a monokin agent, but she was like undercover. She was like a sleeper. Yeah, and they they like fly away off into the sunset. And then some bug, it like zooms in on on the seraph's wing. They have like these feather wings. And a bug crawls out from under its wing and then goes onto the woman who's like wrapped around him mm-hmm. and bites her skin. And then you see her skin start to turn red and and then it just ends. And that's the episode. Yeah, it was one of those bugs from the guy in the beginning, the weird Was green it one dude. of those bugs? Because I... I think so. Because... To me, it looked like a different one, but... I can't say for certain, but I, yeah. I think because that guy had bugs. Um, I rewatched the first four episodes, yeah. but it has, it's been a few days since I've seen it. Speaking of which, speaking of those bugs and that weird green guy, yeah. how do you feel about all the, I guess, the technology in the show? It's kind of weird. It's, yeah. like, it's weird, but also kind of cool. Yeah, it's uh, a mix between biology and technology i like like it's so odd it really made me feel like i was watching um my growing up my dad was is he's really into sci-fi stuff and he's into like the deep sci-fi stuff too not just like your entry-level star trek stuff and i remember watching these cartoons that were just obscure sci-fi cartoons and Aeon Flux really reminded me of those those type of cartoons. Um, the episode that really jumped out to me was when, I think it was even, I think it was the third episode, and yeah. one girl gets shot in the back, and they have to, like, remove her, one oh, of her... Oh, God, we gotta talk about this, yeah. <laughs> to remove one of her, like, discs in her spine, and then they implant an artificial disc in her spine so that she can stand upright... But then whenever she wants, she can just take that artificial disc like out of her back and then she can just like twist and fold like a, like a contortionist. Yeah, it's so cool. 
And then for some reason, Trevor Goodchild, who's like the president yeah. of Bregna, basically, or I guess dictator, yeah. grand chancellor, Ruler, something, yeah. whatever it is. For some reason, he comes to pay her a house visit as her personal doctor. Yeah. Starts digging around in her back. Yeah, and it's like this weird... And gives her an orgasm. Yeah. It's <laughs> like weirdly... Say. It was like this weird sexual experience. Because Eon is peeping through the window like, oh, I wonder what's going on over here. Yeah, there's a lot of really weird sexual tension in this show. A lot of really weird sexual tension. Like, yes. Like, the first episode, I think Eon has some type of chastity belt with a key, and the guy's like, ha! I, I don't know. Again, what they, exactly happens in it? I, I don't remember they exactly. They think it's the key because the president before Trevor Goodchild is locked up in Trevor's basement. Oh, that's And right. he's built a portal inside, inside of, of him and built no room I, inside of him. I forgot all about that episode. And there's a guy who thinks that this key is the key to get inside trevor's portal to expose that he's kidnapped the president and built a hidden room inside of him in another dimension yes and turns out it's just a lock for a chastity belt yeah and not only that but like everybody in the city has the key (laughs) because because he's like i've got the key and and just starts laughing and then everybody in the town is just like, yeah, I've got the key too. And you start, and the funniest part about that, you start out thinking this guy is a good guy. He's on Eon's side. Yeah. They're working together against Trevor Goodchild. And then she just screws this guy over for, we don't even really know why. Yeah. Yeah. Such a weird show, man. It, it was really weird. And uh, what, what did you think about the episode where she like clones herself? Yeah, that was a strange one too. I think I like that one a little bit more than than the other ones. That one felt like it had a more cohesive storyline. Yeah, kind of more straightforward. Straightforward, anyway. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing was an experience to watch. Yeah, I saw something that described it as an experimental uh, show. It was definitely which, experimental. Yeah, I think that's. So I think a lot of this stuff is intentional. It's it's not meant to be a show that goes for 10 seasons. That's right. everybody's favorite show. It's not. It's meant to be an experience enjoyed sparsely. Yeah. Yeah, I could I, totally see that. I, I love this show. I um, That's why I recommended it. Yeah. But it's more so that it's just very interesting. I can't watch more than one or two episodes at a time before I'm like, this is a lot. I need to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I uh, I would have to agree with that. I, I did find myself enjoying it. The first episode I watched, I watched with our, I watched with our nurse. <laughs> so does she get to watch all the weird stuff that, yeah. that we suggest with you? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I watched it and she... Just she was just like, what the fuck did we just watch? <laughs> I'm like, I honestly couldn't tell you. I was like, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right, because she watched the in it of itself with me as well. Yes. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting pick. It was definitely an interesting pick. Um, I don't know if I'll go back to the rest of it. I don't know. I I don't feel like you really need to. There's a few cool stories in there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I got the gist of of the show within those five episodes, and it it intrigued me. But like you said, I 
I could only do like an episode or two at a time, like two at max. Uh, and then I just had to walk away from it and think about something else. It was a really weird... Who's that really weird filmmaker? Is it David Lynch? Is he the weird one? I'm so terrible at, at names, <laughs> especially of somebody who makes movies, makes yeah. films. I'm, I couldn't tell you. I'm, I'm fairly certain it's David Lynch films. Um, David Lynch and Stephen Lynch are in my head, and I think Stephen Lynch is a musician. He's Stephen Lynch is the comedian like a musical comedian yeah. who does songs yeah okay then it's david lynch but it reminded me kind of like it gave me the same type of feeling as some of his films i don't know why but i felt a little bit uneasy a little bit confused <laughs> like mentally i wasn't in a good spot after <laughs> after yeah. i watched this show <laughs> and i don't have a reason to be so in that if mental you want to be really confused about existence yeah watch this show i feel like that's what your yeah <laughs> your yeah. review like, of this is <laughs> like i didn't i didn't watch it and then after it's done i'm like that was really cool i was like i questioned why i was watching it and and i couldn't explain why i had a sense of une- uneasiness <laughs> <laughs> it just it, it was effective in that sense but it's not something that i would want to experience continuously yeah no this is a this is one of those for me that i pull out every once in a while yeah like it has to be the type of thing where the mood strikes me and i'll, I'll be honest with you like i said i rewatched them yeah uh, i rewatched four episodes just to be ready for that just so i had something yeah. that i could say specifically because it's been a while and even watching that it was it was like a chore <laughs> i mean it's it only gets worse with multiple views of this show it kind of it it doesn't get better it's not yeah. the type of thing where you really want to watch it a bunch of times yeah i i feel Be- like the because in- they're kind of slow and they're one huge criticism i do have of the show is the dialogue yeah is it's not so much the actual dialogue, but the voice acting. It's oh, yeah. very, and that could be, you know, this was the mid nineties. Right. Uh, so it could be maybe that it's just, that was a different, you, they were trying something different and that's not something that was as dialed in. Whereas now you have tons of adult animation shows, right? But the voice acting is kind of, a lot of times it seems really stiff and just, not yeah it uh, like not <laughs> insightful it seems like they spend all their money all their budget on animation and the two main characters trevor yeah. and eon and then everyone else they just found a random dude on the street and were like hey say these lines i, I would agree with that and i would also add that their budget was not very large to begin with <laughs> right yeah <laughs> um, but it it felt like an older show to me like watching it, I felt like it was a show in the eighties mm-hmm. and that was probably by design, but that's what it felt like to me. It, I think comes some of the stiffness and rigidness in the characters and the voice acting, like you were talking about, it really had a feel like it was older than mid nineties. Cause mid nineties, like not to compare it to the like top animation of the years, but mid nineties were at Lion King, you know, mid nineties. Uh-huh. Well, even on the same network on MTV, at probably around that same time you have beavis and butthead right daria yeah oh my gosh I daria mean, yeah which i mean those shows very different mm-hmm. very different shows yeah but just specifically on the point of dialogue and voice yeah. actors yeah much much higher quality there yeah 
Yeah, man, it was um, it was an interesting show. I don't know if I liked it. I don't think you're supposed to. Yeah, I. But I will say <laughs> that I enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. the experience. If somebody asks me if it's a good show, I'm not going to tell them it's a good show. No, it's it, it's not. It, <laughs> I don't think it's. I don't, and I don't think it's meant to be. Yeah, it's an interesting show. Yeah. So, so with the we got to touch base on the movie then, because because based on like the show, all right, and what the show is, and then you look at the movie and what the movie is, like they are completely different. Yeah, I mean, well, in full disclosure. I've not seen the movie in many years. Yeah, I think I saw it in theaters when it came but out, and that's it. From what I recall, I mean, I don't think this is something that should have ever been made into a movie. Probably not. Because what they have to do with the movie is make a cohesive point A to point B storyline. Mm-hmm. And they did it in a, at least in a big budget action movie which is what the eon flux movie was right maybe a smaller um like independent style movie could do a little bit more like uh, creative storytelling and could have taken that story in a different place but i mean everything's bright in the in that movie yeah like everything's bright uh it's a very cohesive narrative I, I think I don't I mean I honestly don't recall but it's it's a much more straightforward storyline and it feels like you remember earlier we were talking about how we don't really know one of the cool things about this show is that you never really know what's going on yeah what essentially the movie tried to do was explain everything that's going on in a way that's cohesive for you to understand. It's like that yeah. destroys, destroys at the it. core. The charm of the show is that it's not meant to be narratively done like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, and, and like I said, I always just remember how bright and colorful everything was. The show was very and, bright and colorful. Well, the movie. Oh yeah. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. Sorry. Far, the movie, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas the show, like you said, even, even in, uh, Bregna, uh-huh. It's pregnant as light, but it's still kind of their yeah, washed not, out, muted colors. Yeah, it all yeah, it's not feels vibrant. no, it feels post apocalyptic. It feels yeah. dark and gritty. And it was the movie is a bright, shiny action movie, which yeah. is just that's not what that's <laughs> not what this show was at all. So, <laughs> and um, Charlie's Theron as brunette gross i'll say it again and i'll never not say it i think she looked uh better bald in mad max fury road yes yeah oh yeah i will take a bald <laughs> charlie's throne all day over a brunette with the stupid bob yeah right right at the height of its popularity yep yeah Ugh, so so looking at the movie it cost estimated 50 to 60 million to make God, i'm excited what, what it's, is it it's ultimate gross revenue was 52 million yikes so they probably lost they probably lost a lot of money because that i'm pretty sure that's to make the movie but that that usually doesn't count things like marketing or paying for commercial spots and and doing all of that in addition to the actual production of the movie itself yeah so they probably lost a ton of money 
And I, I was reading something on the on the wiki of the movie itself, and this looks like it's one of those cases where the director had this vision for the movie, and then after the movie was filmed, basically they took it from the director and they chopped it up and edited it heavily, and then released it because they felt like it wasn't going to work. Yeah, because it wasn't Hollywood enough. Uh, they said that they, they which have, makes sense. I'm like I said, I think the best bet would have been never to make this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you're probably right. Or to make a, a smaller budget movie where you can tell an interesting story. Right. Be it's not any you know it's not people's a big budget action movie. Kind of has a bit of a formula. You can change yeah. it up a little bit, but you can't really do what this like Quentin Tarantino would be the perfect person to direct a neon flux movie. I think I Some, think that would be interesting. Somebody from what, well, and maybe not even necessarily him, but somebody from that school of thought. Yeah. Well, if but he, did he it, doesn't do big action movies, he does gritty dialogue driven. Yeah. Uh, storytelling. Yeah. And he, if he did do it, then he, the, um, the dialogue would be much better. <laughs> <laughs> they probably, they probably are like, "Hey, do you want to try this?" He was like, "Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? No way!" Are you kidding me? Fuck no. <laughs> that guy, that guy's interesting. You he, know, he, you know, he's like, uh, he's one of those people I can't tell if he's actually a genius or just, uh, just a crazy person. I think, who, yeah, <laughs> I think he's a crazy person with a good eye, like. Yeah. You know, he has this whole thing where he's like, I'm only going to make, he set out and he said, he's only going to make a certain number oh, yeah. of movies. I think it was like 10 films. I think, something I think like he's that. only got like one more film to make. Yeah. And cause he recently, uh, after, uh, Hollywood, mm-hmm. uh, after once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. He was doing, uh, some interviews. He did like Joe Rogan and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. what, uh, WTF with Mark Maron. Okay. Like podcasts and stuff like that. Yeah. And everybody always asks him about that. Like, you're not serious. Like, once you finish making that one, if they offer you money, you're going to do it. He's like, nope, not going to do it. (laughs) That's what I set out to do. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah, I remember him saying that he might write, like, novels, that type of thing, afterwards. I believe he already is. Yeah? Okay. Uh, Because I'm I'm pretty sure Once Upon a Time in Hollywood— he also released as a novel. As a novel. Oh, okay. that's why he was. That's why he was doing the podcast because oh, okay. he. I believe that is released. Yeah, I could be one hundred percent wrong. Somebody's probably like, "No, you idiot!" What a cool but, movie that one was. Did you watch that? Yes. Oh Dude, my god! I love, I love what he does in that he takes, and his take on it is really hilarious. Yeah, he, he'll take a story, mm-hmm. a a true story, and then. He gets all the way up to a point, and then he just changes the ending. Yeah, left turn. and Hard. And he's like, well, the Manson family, that story is really interesting, but the ending sucks. So (laughs) I made it good. I made a better ending. I made a better ending. Yeah. (laughs) And that's his philosophy for those movies, because he did that with uh, Inglorious Bastards, too. Right, yeah, and then just Hitler gets killed in the theater. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, like he, I said, genius or crazy, I'm not sure, but I, yeah. always, always awesome. I think he's more along the lines of crazy, but he's he's got a good eye for cinema, and he's a hell of a writer with dialogue. He is very, very good with with telling a story through conversation. 
And and I think that that's his strength more than anything. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. all of his movies start out with just a mundane that, that dialogue. That soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, mean, yeah, his soundtracks are great. Yeah, he always says that when he writes movies, he has the soundtrack in his head. He's like a huge uh, audiophile or whatever yeah. they call it, a huge record collector, no surprise. But that he's like, me at all, yeah. when he's writing scenes, he he's putting on records he's searching through his records for songs and he's writing those he's imagining it as he's writing scenes and stuff that's kind of nuts um because then of course they've got to go get the rights for those to to put them in the films i mean i'm sure that any any of these artists because they're like weird a lot of them are weird obscure like 80s rock bands or 80s surf bands yeah um they're like, hey, you want to be in a Tarantino film? They're gonna say yes. Yeah, I right? bet. I bet initially, like Reservoir Dogs, yeah. he probably had a lot more trouble than he did with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh yeah, De- <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, because Reservoir a, Dogs, a because of budget, yeah. and B also, who's gonna say no to that? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, in Reservoir Dogs was um, that was his first film, and he wrote True Romance. That uh, the Christian Slater movie. I've actually never seen that. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, so he wrote the script for that and then sold the script. So it was written by him, but that's it. He didn't do anything else with it. Yeah. But the money that he got off of that helped him pay for Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, definitely. He's definitely. I mean, plus now it's like Tarantino, right? You've got you've got massive stars like DiCaprio and and uh brad pitt and jamie fox like all these guys are in his movies and christoph waltz now that man that guy's great he was the uh, he was the bad guy in, in oh, glorious yeah, bastards dude, christoph waltz is he's great and he was the, the best yeah the, the bounty hunter in yeah, django in django what a cool character or what a cool actor that guy is you know and he's not afraid to get obscure characters or actors too like in Dude, the hateful he eight. saved John Travolta's career. He did save he's, John, John Travolta was doing <laughs> was doing made for TV movies. Yeah, and was essentially counted out by all of Hollywood. Yeah, by all accounts. Yeah, but Tarantino wanted him for the film, and he was like, "He's perfect. I want him." And the studio pushed. They didn't want him. Yeah. The studio was like, "No, you can't put this guy in there." Yeah, saved his career. He did because Travolta was great in that film. He was great, even when Bruce, uh, when Bruce Willis shot him in that movie that was you know he had a good death scene yeah oh god let's just do a quentin tarantino podcast you know we'll just talk <laughs> like from now on we'll just go over uh, all those yeah um yeah dude well i appreciate the recommendation um all right how about this so uh for ratings yep. for this one uh-huh. give it one to ten uh huge boobs way too big for the waist on a scale of one to ten huge boobs way too big for the waist they're attached to um okay (laughs) so (laughs) so this being a 10 boobs way too big for the waist is the best amount of boobs way too big for the waist correct okay um i could we have who could we have six boobs way too big for the waist I think that that's where I would go with it. Okay. I think that's where I would go with it. I was intrigued with it. I don't think that I would... Uh, I, I'm not going to 
pursue any more of it because there are like three seasons from what it looks like no one season oh just one the other seasons it showed this was the only full-length seasons oh the the other things are what i was telling you there were you know five minute shorts on liquid television or whatever the the animated experimental shorts gotcha show okay and then kind of just i don't i don't know what like they were between they were like during commercials, they would play. So they were like what? Couple there would be a five minute long Eon Flux episode. They did that with the Clone Wars series, um, with Star Wars. Not to bring it full circle back to Star Wars, but <laughs> it always comes back to Star Wars. <laughs> but they did that with. Um, it was called Star Wars Clone Wars, not to be confused with Star Wars the Clone Wars. The word "the" is out, and that's a key distinct feature. Um, Genny Tartakovsky, who did all of the Cartoon Network stuff in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. like Dexter's Lab, Powerpuff Girls, Samurai Jack, Johnny Bravo, Cow oh. and Chicken. Okay, so all the best yeah, stuff. All the best stuff from Cartoon Network. Genny Tartakovsky, that's him. They had him tell a story that bridged the gap between episode two of Star Wars and episode three of Star Wars. And so it... And full length is maybe like three hours long, but they had little episodes in the commercial breaks between TV shows. Oh, okay. And and they were fantastic. Yeah. So I believe that's kind of what season two, quote okay. unquote, season two of Eon Flux was. Man. So it says three seasons, but the full length episode, it was this one 10 episode season was the only really full length. full thing I couldn't tell you where to find the shorts and stuff like that probably what, YouTube yeah what would you even do with that show as a short like what do you do if that you take a half hour episode or like a 20 minute episode that the episodes are I don't understand what's happening in that 28 minutes how do you take that down to a five minute show to be you know I'm being generous it's probably wasn't even five minutes if they were in between shows you know I don't know. Think like Spy versus Spy. Okay. I don't know if you ever watched that on Mad yeah. TV, where it's just yeah, kind of true. I think Quick, small I think things. the short ones were probably more like, "Haha, I have the upper hand." No, I have the upper hand. Gotcha. Haha, gotcha in the end. Like I think it was probably more of that type of stuff, and I don't necessarily know if Trevor Goodchild was named. I don't even know if she had a name. Uh, hmm. In those or or a voice like I. If I recall, I don't even know if she really talked in the original those gotcha. original shorts. But once again, I'm I was six years old, right? Seeing, seeing the <laughs> right. seeing these cartoons, so I mean, yeah. who knows? Well, yeah, six oversized boobs for hips uh, out of ten, I think, all on the same body. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> it, it, it would make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I intrigued it. I was intrigued with it. I'm thankful for the recommendation. I don't think that I will pass on the recommendation unless <laughs> unless anybody goes, hey, do you have something just like really fucking obscure that I could watch? I'm, I'm really in the mood to watch something that makes me feel uneasy. <laughs> and then, then I'll be like, I got you. Oh, so funny you should ask. <laughs> How do you feel about oversized boobs and, and weird sexual attention? Yeah. I got the show for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Excellent. But I, I enjoyed it. Awesome. I enjoyed it. So next episode, 
Next episode, it's us, our first two guests ever. That's I am right. DZ, Zach Bolton. Yep. And uh, Zach McCrary from the... From the TFD podcast. TFD and, and also Comics That We Love. Comics That We Love, yeah. It, both are pretty good podcasts. Uh, TFD is one that he's had for a while with his buddy Chad Smith. And uh, the Comics That We Love is kind of a new brainchild. It's just Zach really just diving into comics and just like talking about comics that specifically mean things to the guests and him that he has on the show. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it'll be awesome. And, uh, and, what we are reviewing yeah. is, uh, Zach Bolton gave us a list of a few Nicholas cage movies and we will be watching, a movie called The Prisoners of Ghostland. Yes. Which is a small... Uh, Nicolas Cage does a lot of these weird kind of small independent movies now. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be wild. Yep. Yeah, it's one of those Nick Cage movies where he doesn't care uh, about anything. Like some Nick Cage movies he puts effort into. And this one seems like one that he doesn't. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we all go into... We'll all be going into it blind. Yep. And then immediately after watching it, giving you our fresh, hot takes on Prisoners of Ghostland with Nicolas Cage. I assume it's not streaming anywhere. Probably not. At least not, uh, not for free. But uh, yeah. you, you so could probably it watch it or pick it up at Walmart for $5, though. That's my guess. <laughs> That's my guess. But it's sure to be an adventure. I'm I'm very interested in it. Uh, it's probably going to be lots of laughs. That's Excellent. my that's my presumption. Yeah. So we'll catch you next time, crew. Uh, until then, as always, get, get wrecked, get wrecked, and stay wrecked. Yeah.